Think of this for a moment. All that's required to put the science of getting rich to work in your life is a decision. Now, do you know, most people will look at that and they'll say, there's got to be more to it than that. How many of you have been trying to earn a lot of money for quite a long time? How many have difficulty yet? You know, 1% of the population earn about 95 or 96% of all the money that's being earned. And it's a subject that is not taught in school. And when someone comes along and tells you all you have to do is make a decision, we have a difficult time buying into it because we probably worked fairly hard attempting to earn money. Now, I stumbled on this information around 43 years ago. I have been absolutely fascinated with it ever since. It takes up all my days. Some people ask me, what are your hobbies? Just studying this subject. That's all I do. And I have worked all over the world with this. And it doesn't really matter where you go. You can go into different countries, into different cultures. When you get past the culture, people are essentially the same. And I think we all want generally much the same thing. I had a man sit down with me in 1961. And he put an R on the sheet of paper, just like what you're looking at there. Then he put three letters down beside it. And he said, Bob, let that represent happiness, health, and wealth. And then he asked me if I thought he was a happy guy. And I said, yeah, he seemed pretty happy to me, and he did. He said, have you ever seen me when I was sick? And I had to admit I hadn't. He said, have you ever seen me when I was broke? And again, I had to admit I hadn't. Well, he said, you've got to be one of the most miserable people that I've ever met. And I was. I was an unhappy guy. I was 26. Um, as I look back at it, I think I was an unhappy kid that just grew up and stayed that way. And I believe a lot of people live that way. There's a lot of unhappy people around. Um, I, I didn't have a terminal illness, but I always had a cold or a headache or a backache or something. And when it came to money, I mean, I had a problem. You see, as he said to me, he says, you're striking out in all of these areas. I was actually earning $4,000 a year at the time, and I owed six. Now, you know, that's not an uncommon position for a person to be in. If I took everything I earned for 18 months, nothing to live on, and just paid debt, I would have just broken even. So when you look at that, you know, there's not a lot of hope. I, um, I don't think I ever thought I'd get out of debt. It never entered my mind that I could. I never really thought of earning a lot of money. Um, I, I was just trying to keep the wolf away from the door. You know, the phone would ring every day, tell them I'm not there, you know, or where's the money? And, and hell, I thought, if I knew where the money was, you wouldn't have to phone me. I, I, it, this, this was a constant problem. I have often said that you'll be absolutely amazed how much free time you have when you never have to think about money. Do you know that people spend an enormous amount of time thinking about money if they haven't got it? Now, if you have got it, it's a totally different story. And I really believed, I was raised with the idea, if you're going to earn a lot of money, you've got to be really smart. Um, if you're going to earn a lot of money, you have to uh, have a great education. You have to have uh, a lot of experience. But that's not what this man told me. Now, that's the man that I sat down with. His name was Raymond Douglas Stanford. Now, he's been gone for a long time. But that guy made a bigger difference in my life 
than anyone that has come into my life since then. Now, the little boy that he's holding, I named Raymond Douglas Proctor. That's my son. Now, that little boy today is six foot five. He weighs 240 pounds and he has no hair. He has three little boys that are all bigger than him. So you see, I'm going back quite a ways. But this guy, he really woke me up. He asked me some good questions and he got me thinking. Now, this is the one thing he asked me. He said, or, or suggested, and I found this in a book by Vince Rolwazi over here in Philadelphia. He said, to change your life, you have to change your life. Now that sounds like a play on words. It did to me the first time I looked at it, but that's not a play on words. That is so basic and it's so misunderstood because it's an inside job and we're forever trying to change things outside and that's not where it's at. We keep gathering information, gathering information, and it doesn't do it. I think once we get hooked on the idea of developing ourselves, we never get away from it. And the people that are not hooked on the idea, they think we're a little crazy. But I wouldn't want to live in the world they're living in. You know, back in 1970, I had the pleasure of being on a program in Chicago with the with just an incredible man. He wrote a book called The True Believer, Eric Hoffer. And he said something on that program that stuck in my mind. He said, in times of change, the learners will inherit the earth, while the learned find themselves beautifully equipped to deal with a world that no longer exists. Now, run that through your mind for a couple of minutes. In times of change, the learners will inherit the earth. I took that to be metaphorical that we'll be happy, healthy, and prosperous. Well, the learned find themselves beautifully equipped to deal with the world that no longer exists. You see, there's no such thing as a learned individual. There's no such thing as an educated individual. That's a misnomer. We're either learning or we're not. Napoleon Hill talks about education coming from the Latin educo, meaning to educe, to develop, or to draw out from within. So you see, we don't even have to get anything. As we really start to understand what makes everything happen, we're going to find out that we've already got everything we need. It's simply a matter of becoming aware of it. And so Ray suggested this to me, and then he introduced me to the book. Now, the book was Napoleon Hill's book, Think and Grow Rich. I have never stopped reading this book. The book that I carry with me, I've been carrying since 1963, and I read it every day. Now, I think Hubbard pointed out that when you read a good book through the second time, you don't see something in it you didn't see before, you see something in yourself that wasn't there before. Yeah, you see, it's the repetition of the right information that'll really alter what's going on inside, and that's what you have to do. Everybody thinks it's something outside we have to change. We have to change companies, we have to change cities, we have to change jobs. Uh-uh, you gotta change it inside. If you don't change it inside, nothing happens. Well, I got into that book, and I started to study. Now, he said, there's a secret in that book. And he said, if you find a secret in the book, you can have anything you seriously want. Well, I thought that was a gross exaggeration. You know, you can have anything you want. Let me put it in proper perspective for you. I was 26. I had two months high school formal education. I had no business experience. I had an absolutely terrible work record. Um, and, and, and here I'm reading that you can have anything you want. Now, there's so much about ourselves that we don't know. And as I started to read this book, he said, there's a secret, you can give anything you want if you find the secret. Well, that was sort of like trying to sell me on the tooth fairy. 
And of course, I was 26. I thought I was pretty cool. I thought I was wide awake, you know. And actually, I was in a deep hypnotic trance. And, 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 and I was ready to reject it. But Ray said to me, he said, listen. He said, you're not very happy. He said, you're not the healthiest guy in town. You're always broke. Now, he said, I found out something about money. And he pulled out a big wad of money. He always carried a lot of money. And I was always fascinated with that because I never had any. But at any rate, he said, this stuff can't talk, but it can hear. And he said, if you call it, it'll come. And I thought, God, you know, I thought, that's sort of a nice idea. You know, and I was ready to start hollering for it. But he said, you've got to understand how to get it. And he said, you obviously don't understand. Now, he said, the author of this book studied the lives of 500 of the world's most successful people his entire life. Then he put it in this book. Now, he said, I'm inclined to think that he knows something that you don't know. Well, I think he just sort of put me in my place, you see? And so I started to read the book, and I found the secret. And the secret was so basic and simple, everything changed. Do you know, a year later, I was earning 175000 a year, and then I took it over a million dollars a year. I mean, I had money coming in from all over the place. And, and it happened so fast. Yeah, but he said that in the book. He said, when money starts coming, it'll come so fast and so furious that you're going to wonder where it's been hiding through all those lean years. Well, boy, I thought this is it, you know. And it was, it was, I had it coming in from different countries, from different cities. And somebody will say, well, what were you doing? I don't think it matters what you're doing. I think what matters is how you're doing it. Do you see, Wallace Waddles wrote a book on the science of getting rich way back in 1903. He says, you don't get rich by doing certain things. You get rich by doing things in a certain way. And I thought, uh-huh. Yes, see, you could find two people doing exactly the same thing, and you couldn't see the difference. But one's doing it a certain way, the other isn't. It has to do with intent. It has to do with the energy that you're doing it with. You see, we're taught to be good little go-getters. Go-getters lose. They blow it. We want to be good little go-givers because the law says what you put out will come back. The universe will reward you by law. This is, this is all very scientific. Yet it happens with every person every time. Now, I found the secret, and it was pretty basic. It was simply sit down, decide what you want, write it on a card, carry the card in your pocket, and read it as often as possible every day. So I wrote on the card that I wanted to have in my possession by New Year's Day of 1970, I gave myself a decade to do this deal, and $25,000. I really didn't believe it would happen. But you know something? I kept reading it. I don't know why, but I kept reading it. I did exactly what the author said. I kept reading the card. And I kept reading it, and I kept reading it. Now, because I kept reading, I started to think of earning money. Prior to that, I was thinking of debt. If you had asked me, I said I was thinking of earning money. I wasn't. I was thinking of debt. If your goal is to get out of debt, I guarantee you'll probably be in debt till you die. Because we become what we think about. Yet whatever you think about, you attract. You literally magnetize yourself to it. That's all I was ever thinking about was debt. But I started to think of earning money. Somebody said there's good money cleaning floors. So I said, I'm not proud. I'll clean floors. Well, I started to clean one office. Then I got another one. Do you know in less than five years, I was cleaning office in Toronto, Montreal, Boston, Cleveland, Atlanta, London, England. The thing took off like a rocket. Now, what really changed? I think something inside shifted, but I didn't know what it was. And I bought this book and I was giving it to everybody. And nothing happened in their life. Then I got into Earl Nightingale's condensed narration of the book. And I would drive around 
with the portable battery-operated record player, and I would keep playing that record over and over and over again. And everybody was starting to wonder about me. Proctor's listening to this guy talk to him, and he's saying the same thing because it's on a record. I mean, he doesn't change the story. And I'm listening to this, and I'm reading the same book. I was starting to wonder about myself. But everything just kept changing, kept changing, kept changing. And I'd give the record to people, and I'd give the book to people, and nothing happened. So I reasoned that someone had to know why I changed, and they've either written it in a book or they're talking about it. So I made up my mind. I would read every book that was ever written if I had to, but I was going to find out what happened to me. So that's what we're talking about. Now, I want to suggest that you make up your mind you're going to get in what we call a success zone. It's, it's a way of thinking. Now, get this. If 95, 96% of the population are blowing it, if 1% of the population are earning about 95% of all the money, you're not going to get a whole lot of people agree with what you're doing. Most people are going to look at you kind of strange. What are you going there for? You went there last month. What are you listening to that for? You listened to that before. What are you reading? What do you read the same book over and over for? They don't understand. And you see, they're advertising their ignorance by the questions they ask. When we get into the success zone, everything in our life starts to change. But understand this, you're going to be a bit of an odd, you're out of the box, you're not one of the masses. And when you get out of the box, your whole world starts to shift. So as we go through this, let's think. Let that little yellow dot on the screen represent your level of awareness. This represents your level of awareness. This is what you're aware of. Now, everything you've got in your life, everything, your relationships, your money, everything, is an expression of your own level of awareness. See, people that earn 50,000 a year are not earning 50 because they want 50. People are earning 50 because they're not aware of how to earn 150. People that are suffering from headaches, they're not suffering from headaches because they want to suffer from headaches. They're suffering from headaches because they're not aware of how to eliminate the headache. It's their head. They made it ache. They can make it stop. So do you see it's awareness we're after. Now think of this. If that little dot represents our awareness and it's responsible for everything we've got in life, just think of how your life could change if we magnify it just a little bit. I mean, everything would start to change. Our relationships would change. We would be healthier. We would live in healthier bodies. We would know more people. We'd earn more money. We'd be able to do more interesting things. And if we just increased it a little bit more, everything starts to shift. Well, I've been living this way now for 40 years. It absolutely fascinated me. I celebrated my 70th birthday last week. I got more energy than most people, 20. I have absolutely no intentions of slowing down. People should say, you should slow down. That's a bunch of crap. We should speed up. We've got more power. Yet, do you know the, the most erudite scientist alive can't even guess at what you and I are capable of doing? No one knows what we're capable of. All the power is omnipresent. That's within you, within me. Slow down, we're just starting to warm up. What we want to do is calm down. You can go at warp speed and stay very healthy if you stay relaxed. And that's really the secret. Now, just imagine we expand our awareness a little more. Do you know what this program is doing for you today? It's expanding your awareness. That's what the program is all about. Every time you come, every time you come to one of these programs, your awareness is widened. Your world starts to change. You think, oh, yeah. That's pretty interesting. And it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Our awareness keeps changing. 
Do you know that no one knows how much money you're capable of earning? There's no one can even guess at what you're capable of earning. We want to become aware. We're like we are because we're not aware of how to do it better. We know how to do it better. Every person in this room intellectually knows how to do a better job than they're doing. Everyone in the room knows how to earn more than they're earning, but they're not doing it. You see, having the knowledge is not the deal. Having the knowledge, I mean, I, what I remember when I was a kid, a school teacher would say to me, Bob, why'd you do that? I'd say, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? You know better. I know. Why'd you do it? I don't know. I was in the Navy. Every commanding officer, Proctor, why did you do that? I don't know, sir. What do you mean you don't know? You know better. I know. Why'd you do it? I don't know. You see, I didn't know why I was doing things. Do you know that we do things that we don't want to do? It gives us results we don't want to get. Yet we do them anyway. Do you know what addiction is? It's never getting enough of what you don't want. Yet a lot of people are addicted to results that they don't want. Why do we keep doing it? You see, I think when we start to see that, that's when we start to become aware of how to take control over our life. And that's really what we want to do. So you see, awareness is the big deal. We want to become aware of the obvious opportunities that are available to us. We are surrounded by opportunity. There, everywhere you go, there is an abundance. There's no shortage of opportunity. We can win and we can win in a big way. Now, when we lack awareness, we miss the opportunity. I used to always say that, you know, the trick is to be in the right place at the right time. I've been in the right place at the right time many times in my life, but I blew it. You know why? Wasn't aware that I was in the right place at the right I had to look back at it. Think of it. There's something else. It's being aware that you're in the right place at the right time is not good enough. You've got to be aware that you're in the right place at the right time. Now, do you know that you're in the right place right now to get some information that will literally transform your life? And it's like I said, I've got license to brag about all this information because none of it's mine. I guarantee you, when you walk out of here at the end of the day, your head's going to be spinning because this is good stuff. What's holding most people back? Here's your answer. It's paradigms. Now, that's sort of a buzzword, but that is really what stops us. It blinds us. Paradigms actually blind us. Now, I'm going to get into paradigms, how they're formed, and uh, what they are, and then how to change them. You see, if you get into books on psychology or psychiatry or behavioral science, you'll get a definition of a paradigm, but it's usually so big and, uh, and uh, awkward that you don't understand it. The book was probably written for other psychiatrists or psychologists or behavioral scientists. And the average layperson doesn't understand it. I had great teachers. and They broke everything down into the simplest possible form. And I found out that paradigm is nothing but a multitude of habits. When you wake up in the morning, you move into action. There's a routine to everything you do. There's one to everything I do. If you're living with someone, you could set your clock by that person and they buy you. When, when I put my foot in my pants, I put my right foot in first. I don't know which one you put in first, but I do know this. If I put my left in first, I'd probably fall over. I would be staggering all over the place. Why? It's programming. That's how programmed we are. We're programmed to drive the car the way we drive it. We're programmed to dress the way we dress, to walk the way we walk, to talk the way we talk. Our whole life is written program in here and you know something 
We didn't even write the program. We didn't even write the program. Do you know that there are other people's habits? You and I are the product of somebody else's habitual way of thinking. It's genetic and it's environmental. Why do you think you look like your relatives? Do you think it's an accident? It's what's programmed right into the genes at birth. Yet we grow up and we live that way. Why do we speak the language we speak? Do you know that if you had been taken out of your home and moved to the suburbs of Beijing when you were an infant, you'd be fluent in Chinese and have absolutely no knowledge of the English language. But by the same token, if somebody had been taken out of Beijing, put here, same thing would have happened. We're programmed with other people's prejudices. We're programmed with their limitations. Do you know that most of the limitations we've got, we don't even know where they started. I'll give you an example. When, when Linda and I first met, we, we were out shopping and uh, and I said, you know what I would like is turnip. She's okay. So I picked up a turnip. And she said, what are you going to do with that? I said, I'm going to eat it. <laughs> well, she said, I'm not eating that. Well, I said, why not? She said, that's the root of the turnip. I said, it's the what? I had never heard it called a root. It was always just a turnip. Well, I said, what do you eat? She said, we eat the green of the turnip. I said, my God, we give that to the pigs. <laughs> Well, she said, we give the root to the pigs. I don't even know if I ever saw a turnip green. So here we are eating the root, giving the green to the pigs. There they are eating the green and giving the root to the pigs. Now, I was raised in northern Ontario. She was raised in, uh, in Pensacola, Florida, and Birmingham, Alabama. Two totally different cultures. Isn't it? So I put the turnip back. I thought, what the hell? There's no sense in fighting over it. Turnip. But I'm wandering around the store, and I'm thinking, who decided we'd eat the root of the turnip? I don't think my mother woke up one day and said, we're going to eat the root of the turnip. I wonder why she ate the root. I don't think her mother did. Then I started to think, I wonder how far back in our family I'd have to go to find out who decided we would eat the root of the turnip. How far back I'd have to go in her family to find out who'd eat the green of the turnip. And then I started to think, you know, it really doesn't matter. But the principle behind this is huge. Because, you know, most of our habits are like that. They really are. Now, think of this. What do most people do when they begin to have financial trouble? That's, that's a paradigm talk that I'm dealing with here. What do they do? I'll tell you exactly what they do. They lower their standard of living to meet their income. That's a bad idea. That is a terrible idea. Timidity is not a strategy for the new economy. We're living in a new economy. Remember, you cannot move forward when you're cutting back. Yet, does it? Why do we do it? We're programmed. That's what we were taught to do. Anything else is being irresponsible. Well, let's think of this for a moment. Successful people take their income up to meet their standard of living. Do you know why? They understand how to do it. And if you don't understand how to do it, you're in bad shape. But when you do understand, you don't need to cut back. Never need, I've, I've been working pretty closely with a fellow. In fact, we just come back from Europe. We were over all through Germany and over into Finland. And uh, he had uh, had a bit of trouble with money here just within the past year. And he was, uh, put his house up, he was gonna sell it. He said, what the hell are you selling your house for? Well, he said, I, you know, I can't afford to keep it. I said, you can't afford to sell it.
Now, you've got to make a decision right now. Do you like the house? Yeah, I don't want to sell it. Then don't sell it. Just figure out how to earn more money. And so the two of us got working on it, and this problem was solved. It was simply a decision. Well, that's all we need. See, we're living in a new economy. The economy that you and I were raised in, that's not the economy we're living in anymore. That's a totally different world we're living in. But we're still operating with all the old habits. Now, Gates said one thing is clear. We don't have the option of turning away from the future. You don't have that option. No one gets to vote on whether technology is going to change our lives. It's, it's here. This is the deal. You either fall in line with the new rules or you're going to lose. It's that basic and it's that simple. There's nothing complicated about it. You see? Now, here's three great, great questions. You, you want to you remember this because this can change your life like night and day. It's so basic and so simple, you could miss it. One, what am I doing? What am I doing? Number two, what works? What works? Number three, what doesn't work? Now, when we've analyzed this, let's make up our mind that we're going to stop doing what doesn't work and take all that energy and, and, and that time and put it into what does work. Do you know if that's the only thing you got out of this entire meeting this afternoon, it could be worth millions to you. Literally millions. I picked this up, I don't know if I heard it or I read it, but there was a man who had an engineering company. He did about 10 million a year. It wasn't a big company, but it wasn't a corner store. And he died. His wife had nothing to do with the business. She never went around the business. So everybody just assumed when he died, she would sell the business. But she didn't plan to sell the business. After the funeral and things slowed down, she went into the company and she called all the heads of departments in and they're the three questions she asked. What are you doing? What works? What doesn't? She told them to stop doing what didn't work, spend the time at what does work, and she took the sales from 10 million to 25 million. She just went in every now and then. That's all she ever did. I wonder what would happen if that's all we did. We want to understand and apply if we really want to get into the science of getting rich, the law of compensation. Now, the law of compensation is pretty clear. There's nothing complicated about it. The law of compensation clearly states that the amount of money you earn is always going to be in direct ratio to the need for what you do, your ability to do it, and the difficulty there would be in replacing you. Now, do you see, if we really study this, there's probably quite a need for what you do. Now, I don't know how proficient you are at doing it. Most people learn how to do something, and then they never improve upon it from that point on. Once we learn how to do it, we just keep doing it at that level. That's why most people read at a grade seven level. They never learn how to improve upon it. You see? The third one, the difficulty there will be in replacing it. So you see, if you analyze this, you're going to realize that if you just focus on number two, number three is going to take care of itself. Number one's already taken care of. There's probably a great need for what you do. Now, if we become very, very good at what we do, just keep perfecting what we do. 
If we sell, let's really learn how to sell. Keep getting better at it. You would become very difficult to replace. Now, I've always felt for salespeople, and I would imagine quite a few of you are in sales, you want to learn to master your presentation. Most people make a terrible sales presentation, just absolutely terrible. That's why they don't do very well. I have gone into companies and watched sales go up by hundreds of millions of dollars, and we tell the people not to work as hard. See, we've got the idea in our mind, if you're going to earn more, you've got to work harder. Bad idea. Now, think of this for a moment. I want you to think about your financial success. And, 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 and don't think for a second that you can't change it. You can change it. You can change it dramatically. But really think about your financial success. You see, these meetings, these seminars, they can change your financial success like night and day. There's nothing that'll do it better because it's information that we're getting about ourselves. Now think of this for a moment. Money makes a big difference in all the important areas of our life. You'll hear people say, well, money's not everything and money won't make you happy. That's an absurd statement. Money was never meant to make us happy. And since it doesn't make any difference whether you have it or not, as to whether you're happy or not, you might as well have it. Yet, at least if you're miserable, you'll be miserable in comfort. I mean, there's some consolation in having it. Mm -hmm. Now think about it for a moment. Money is meant to make us comfortable. The more comfortable we are, the more creative we'll become. The more creative we are, the more service we can render. The more service we render, the more money we will earn. Don't spend any time thinking why you can't, just think how you can. You know something, you do it. Anybody in this room can turn their, turn their, but you're not gonna do it by accident. You're not gonna do it unless you decide to do it. Now you'll say, I don't know how to do it. Hillary didn't know how to get to the top of the mountain when he went up it either. He didn't. He tried in 51 and he failed. He tried again in 52 and he failed. Yet in 1953, he and Tenzing Norgay stood in the top of the world. Now I have worked with him on two or three occasions. He's a, just a nice guy. The, the only thing different in him than, that I could see in me is his side. He's got a hand that would just wrap right around my hand. Big guy. No one had ever been to the top of that mountain. Do you know a thousand people have been up there since? Things don't happen unless you decide they'll happen. Well, anybody could make that happen. 